Welcome to episode 38 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, Grub, the food episode. We'll give you five great ways to protect yourself and future hikers in your outdoor kitchen. Then on the Summit Gear Review, a squirrel would have to be nuts to try to chew through this amazing food sack. On the Backpack Hack of the Week, we'll teach you how to stockpile your arsenal of high-calorie grab-and-go foods for your next trip. We'll share some info on the good kind of dehydration in our Backpackers Q&A, And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from a man who probably never missed a meal in his life. All this and that's about it. Today on The First 40 Miles. Remember when I was getting ready for the Mount Hood trip last fall? This was before you were going on the trip because you only signed up a week before it started. And, uh, you know, I was busy getting ready and I still hadn't really gotten my food all put together. So you offered to go buy some food and help me out with that. It seemed easy enough. Yeah, I saw how busy you were and I thought, well, I'm going grocery shopping anyway, so I can pick up some stuff. And so uh, before I left you had some specific instructions for me. I remember you telling me high calories per ounce, like look at the bag, find out how many calories per ounce and make sure it's high calorie because I'll be burning a lot of calories. So I went to the store and I got things like peanut butter and crackers because those are really high calories per ounce, got some M&Ms. But then as I started to walk down the aisles, I noticed things that just had a lot of calories in them. And so I picked those up without really doing the math. And so I brought, you know, a full table full of food home and laid it all out. And I was so excited and so proud of some of these instant type meals that I found that I thought would be really great on the trip. Well, do you want to tell the rest of the story? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So for example, uh, some quick prep meals that weren't freeze-dried meals, so they didn't cost nearly as much. I remember this one in particular was in a really fancy-looking package, and it was some kind of Indian meal. And uh, you had looked on the back, and it had like a 1,000 calories or something. And so you're thinking, oh, this is great. Lots of calories. Looks really cool. This is going to be really delicious. And so I started sifting through the table of, we'll just call it the table of calories. (laughs) (laughs) And... um. And I think I, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, yes, you offended me. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I didn't understand that just because it had a lot of calories in it didn't mean that it was trail worthy. You know, I didn't take into consideration that some of these things had water in them. And so the calories may have looked really impressive and the food looked really amazing, but they were so loaded with water also that it really cut the calories per ounce down into the sub 100 range. Right. You had even gone to uh, the extent of labeling all of these packages with the number of calories they had. And uh, so I picked up each package and I turned it around and looked on the back and I calculated the calories per ounce. And I began dividing this uh, table of calories. Like if it was under 100 calories per ounce, 
it got cut. And if it was over 100 calories per ounce, then it was uh, it was still on the table. It might go on the trip. And you were kind of shocked at like all the things that I was cutting from what you had bought and just kind of tossing them off to the side because they were too low of calories per ounce. Well, after I kind of figured out the calories per ounce concept, it kind of became a game for me. And I ended up getting out the mailing labels and labeling everything with calories per ounce. So you could see exactly how many were in each of the food products that I bought. Yeah. And some of them are rather surprising on both ends, on the high end and the low end. I mean, there's some things like peanut butter is just packed with calories for its weight. And you think of peanut butter as being heavy. You know, you pick up a jar of peanut butter like, wow, that's really heavy. Yeah, it might be heavy, but it is so loaded with calories that the calories per ounce ratio is fantastic. And then other things, you would think that meats would be really good in the calories per ounce department. Even beef jerky, I mean, that's been dried out, is just borderline. It like barely makes the cut for me, but I like it so much that it still goes in my pack. But those little packages of like ground beef or uh, packages of tuna, they're usually under 100 calories per ounce. And so for me, they only made the cut if I was mixing them in with some really high fat stuff so that my overall meal would kind of average out to be over 100 calories per ounce. Yeah, the tuna was kind of surprising for me. That was really low calories per ounce. But on the other hand, most people mix it with mayonnaise, which is really high calories per ounce, like almost, I think, 200, 180 to 200. Right. So when you put them together, you might have a meal that comes in where you want it. And who wants to eat just mayonnaise on the trail? Well, yeah. (laughs) You got to mix it with something. (laughs) Some people pack oil just to add calories. And so they'll just add oil to everything. And I don't know. I mean, it has to fit. I can't just down some olive oil to get my calories. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, one of the things that we had to figure out as I prepped for that trip was, well, how many calories am I going to burn in a day? Because we all know about the 2000 calorie diet, right? We all know that uh, in general... People need about 2,000 calories a day. Obviously, it varies between men and women and how big you are and how old you are. But that's for regular life. That's like sitting in an office and driving around in a car. And so I was trying to figure out, well, how many calories am I going to burn when I'm out backpacking, when I'm doing 5 or 10 miles a day with a pack on my back? And I'm obviously going to be exerting a lot more energy than usual. And so from the research that I did, I found that I probably needed to almost double my caloric intake. So I was aiming for 3,500 to 4,000 calories per day for me. And uh, and then once you decided to come on that trip, you were aiming just a little bit lower than I was in terms of, of calorie count. Yeah, I think I ended up taking about one and a half pounds of food per day. And then I came home with extra food. And part of that was because, you know, I am a smaller build than Josh. And also it was a warm trip. And so, um, of course, the cooler the weather is, the more calories you'll need because you'll be burning more calories. I went on the trip with about two pounds of food per day. And I came home with a little extra as well. I, I think maybe a little less extra than you had. 
So that gives you some ballpark ranges. If it's a backpacking trip where you're doing 5 to 10 miles a day in moderate temperatures, maybe a little cool, but but not wintertime, then depending on your body size and, and your metabolism, you're probably in that 3,000 to 4,000 calories per day. And if you're getting really calorie dense food, aim for 120 to 150 calories per ounce, or in metric terms, four to five calories per gram. Uh, if you're in that range, then you're probably going to be carrying one to two pounds of food per day of trip. So Josh, how necessary is it to count calories? Well, on an overnight trip, who really cares? You know, because you can just pack as much as you want. But on a longer trip, I guess, you know, on the one hand, someone might say, well, I don't care about the calories per ounce. I'll just pack a little extra weight. No big deal. That's fine. But to me, I got a lot of safety and security out of counting the total calories. So I was just worried that that I would have no idea how much food I needed to bring for a week. And that once I was out there, it's not like I could just stop at the store, at least not on this trip. And so I knew I had to have enough food to make it all the way to the end of the week. And at the same time, I didn't want to have like double the food that I needed. That would just be, you know, carrying a lot of extra weight around the mountain. So that's why I counted the calories for that trip. It's so that I knew that I had enough calories to fuel me through the week. So it's all about peace of mind and really... A week is a long time. You really have no concept when you're at home of how much food you consume in a week because your fridge is always full. You have extra bottles of ketchup and mustard, and it just looks like a lot of food. And when you condense it down into one week, what you're actually eating, it's kind of surprising. You see every single thing that you're going to be eating, every meal and every snack, all in one place. Yeah, so have fun with the calorie counting. And, you know, I, I think part of what's fun about it is that most of the time in our society, it's all about reducing calories and finding the least calorie dense food that you can find. So it makes you feel full without giving you a lot of calories. And when you go backpacking, you get to turn it completely upside down and you want to pack plenty of calories and you want the most calorie dense foods. So that's a lot of fun. So here's a little tip on how to figure out calories per ounce. Most of the time when you look on the back of a package, you'll find the nutrition facts and look at the serving size. And then you'll also see that they list the number of calories for that serving size. Lots of times the serving sizes are actually listed in grams. So if you're a calories per gram person, it's easy. You can just divide the number of calories by the number of grams and be aiming for that four to five calories per gram range. However, if you're an American and you're trying to figure out calories per ounce, then you've got one extra step to do because you've got to convert from grams to ounces. So lots of serving sizes will actually be close to a multiple of an ounce. So for example, we've got this jar of peanut butter that we're looking at right now, and the serving size is how many grams? 32 grams. Okay, so there's 28 grams in an ounce. So as we look at this jar of peanut butter, it's 32 grams. Okay, that's just over an ounce. So to make it easy, then I'm going to say, okay, this serving size is just over an ounce, and it has 200 calories in it. So peanut butter, 200 calories per ounce, approximately. You might find a serving size of 56 grams. Well, that's two ounces. So if you can just remember the 28 to 1 ratio between grams and ounces, then you're able to convert the serving size from grams to ounces, and then you can do your calculation of calories per ounce. Carbs are typically 100 calories per ounce or less. 
So that would be like tortillas, Jolly Ranchers. Right, yeah, sugars and starches. Protein is about 100 calories per ounce if it's not got a bunch of water in it as well. So beef jerky, um, you know, other meats or beans, uh, hummus, things like that. And fat is where it's really at. 250 calories per ounce for fat. So that's the magic. Get your carbs and proteins, but mix in enough fat to bring the calorie density up. Well, food on the trail requires a little more care and thoughtfulness than you typically give it at home. And so for today's top five list, we have the top five backpacking food safety tips. And number one is read a chapter from Food Safety for Dummies. Now, I don't know if this is a book that actually exists, but just use this simple rule. Always wash your hands after you use the bathroom. And this can actually help with a lot of those issues that the hikers have on the trail, the trekkers trots. Those usually happen because of poor hygiene, uh, more often than from drinking unfiltered, unpurified water. So make sure that your hands are clean when you handle food. And of course, this applies to your buddies also. You can't ensure that your hiking buddies are washing their hands as frequently as they should, so don't let them reach into your bag of trail mix. If you want to share something, dump it into their hand or uh, dump it into their cup. And I'm not being a germaphobe, I'm just going off of the data. Really, washing hands takes care of a lot of those germs. When your hands go into your mouth, when you eat something, those germs go into your body. So just a really basic tip, wash your hands. The number two backpacking food safety tip is to animal-proof your food. There's a few options for this. Uh, there's stainless steel mesh bags, and we're actually going to review one today in the Summit Gear Review. There's also bear canisters or bear bins, especially if you're in areas where you might run into bears. Some areas like that also have bear bins on site at the campsites, so that's an option. And then many times I'll just hang my food, get some ropes, uh, run it between a couple trees. You have to make sure you get it really high and not close to the trees that it's tethered to. And that has worked really well for me. Some people will actually bring their food into their tent and that would make me nervous. It's just going to attract, it might not be bears, it's going to attract any kind of animal, squirrels and mice and whatever else, to come chewing through your tent or chewing through your pack to get to your food. Yeah, that's just a Pandora's box. I would not want to go there. Yeah, definitely there are some great options for animal proofing your food on the trail. The number three backpacking food safety tip is that like goes with like. So that means you need to treat all of your scented stuff just like you would food. So that includes lip balm, sunscreen, toothpaste, deodorant, and even your toothbrush. Those all need special storage consideration. So maybe just have a bag that you can put those things in and then put those in your animal-proof container. The number four backpacking food safety tip is to cook your food at least 100 feet downwind from your campsite. So you don't want to be just 100 feet away from where your tent is. You want to be 100 feet downwind so that if animals do pick up the scent, then they're not coming through your camp <laughs> to get to your cooking spot. If you cook right next to your tent, 
then you're leaving that risk that you're going to attract animals into your campsite right where you're sleeping at night as they try to find the little remnants and scraps that may have fell on the ground while you were cooking. Some people go as far as to even change their clothes after they've cooked food. And, um, you know, backpackers don't do a lot of cooking on the trail. A lot of it is just rehydrating. And so I'm not sure how important it is to actually change your clothes after you've prepared a meal. I'm guessing the deeper you are into bear country, the more important that would be because it's not so much the mice and the rodents that are going to be a huge risk. It's that one big predator that uh, if he gets a sniff of what you've been eating, then... uh... Yeah, I suppose if I was frying some bacon over the campfire, (laughs) that might be a good reason to uh, change my clothes afterwards. But like you say, a lot of times you're just reheating food, so you're not really going to have it permeate your clothes all that much. But again, you just measure your risk, you know, and, and if it's a higher risk area, you take more precautions. The number four backpacking food safety tip is to keep your food waste under control. This is all about prevention. So a simple way to take care of this is to pack all of your meals in Ziploc bags. That way when you're done, you can put all of your waste in those bags. It keeps things clean and simple and it cuts down on scents that can be picked up by animals. You can also bring along an empty peanut butter jar to store your leftovers and then just make sure that those leftovers get consumed within one to two hours of making your meal just to avoid having the food stay in that danger zone when bacteria can grow the fastest. Also, there's no rule that says you have to cook the entire package of chicken Alfredo freeze-dried supreme. You can cut it in half and just make half of that meal and save the other half for maybe later in the evening when you might be hungry or have it for breakfast. So here's the trade-off. You need to get enough calories every day. And if you cook more food, I mean, like all the science shows that if you make more food, you eat more food. And so you want to do that, but at the same time, you don't want to have a ton of food left over because then you've got to do something with that leftover food. You can't just toss it in a bush, right? Right. Well, science also shows that the more dishes you have at a meal, the more you will eat. So say you just had a small meal and then you had a small side dish and then maybe a small package of of dried fruit or something, you would actually eat maybe more calories during that meal than you would if you had a huge package of chicken Alfredo freeze-dried Supremo Just one thing. Right. Yeah, that's true. So what if you do make too much and you've passed it around to share it with all your buddies and there's still dinner left over and you're ready to go to bed? At that point, your only option really is to pack it out. So that means sealing it in a Ziploc bag and making sure that it's in your animal-proof bag or container so it's, it's not going to be chewed on by other animals. Yeah, leave it behind in your campsite and you are inviting some critters to mess with future backpackers who come through that area. And you start to create a habit in those animals. And it may not affect you, but some hikers after you will definitely be affected. So you've got to pack it out. So there's probably a lot more we could say about food safety, but to kind of boil it down, pay attention to to your hygiene. Make sure your food is kept away from animals. Remember that anything that is scented, that smells good, needs to be treated like food. Cook your food at least 100 feet downwind from your campsite and keep all of your food waste under control and pack it out. 
For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing the OutSack UL from the Simple Outdoor Store. The OutSack is an interlocking stainless steel wire mesh bag that makes it so animals can't chew through it. It's great. It's like chain mail for your food. So we're going to be reviewing the Outsack UL. It's a little bit lighter weight than the Outsack Spectrum bags, um, but it's heavy duty. It's going to protect all of your food and your scented stuff. It's made of interlocking stainless steel wire mesh, and the very top of it has a simple hook and loop closure that those animals with smaller brains can't figure out. In terms of utility, the Outsack UL really does two things. It holds your food and, of course, protects it from being chewed through by small animals. Uh, rodents, raccoons, squirrels, skunks, cats, those kinds of animals, uh, they're not going to be able to get through this sack. And I would say for 99% of the backpacking trips that we will go on as a family, if we're going to be in country with lots of rodents, raccoons, squirrels, skunks, it's just kind of those those common little animals that run around. We're, we're probably not going to be in bear country that often, but uh, most of our trips are going to have rodents on them. The Outsack UL is 3.5 ounces and it's 10.5 inches by 19 inches. So it's a really generous size. So if you put two pieces of paper next to each other, that's about the size of this bag. And it's not gusseted, it's a flat bag, but still it will hold 625 cubic inches. So for me, it can hold my food for a five to six day trip. That's This is about the size that's perfect for me. Um, and it's what I'll be taking on our next backpacking trip. In terms of maintenance, there's really nothing you need to do uh, with it. I mean, you might rinse it off once in a while if, if you get some food on it, uh, but it's wire mesh, so <laughs> that's pretty durable. Uh, you mentioned that it's stainless steel, and it has a three-year warranty. The hook and loop closure that secures the top is very strong. You just want to make sure that when you are securing the top that you close the top all the way. Like run your fingers across the top and kind of squish it all down because some of those rodents out there can get through really small spaces. And so if you were to leave just maybe, you know, a quarter inch open on the end, that would be enough space for a little mouse to get through and have an awesome time in your little out sack. So secure the entire top, pinch it pretty firmly so it's nice and snug and you should have zero problems. Uh, another nice little feature on the out sack is a little tab at the very top. So you can hang it from a tree if you wanted to. You could secure it with a tent stake, tie it to a picnic bench, whatever you want to do. But there's that nice little tab there. Well, that is a good point. If you're just going to lay this sack out somewhere because, hey, it's rodent proof. Well, um, don't forget a large enough rodent could come along to actually carry the whole sack away. So maybe they couldn't chew through it, but they could just take the whole thing. I would love to see that. A raccoon carrying the sack away. Yeah, a raccoon <laughs> kind of batting it, you know, until they can get it over to a creek or something. Yeah, so it is a good idea to keep it attached to something. Well, this bag is super easy to use. It looks so medieval. I love it. It's kind of fun. I would suggest if you are bringing something like cheese or salami or chocolate, something that might weep or be kind of melty or 
messy, definitely put it in a Ziploc bag. Don't just count on this bag to protect the inside of your pack from that messy food. As far as investment goes, this bag, the Outsack UL, is $37 with free shipping. And I feel like this is one of those things that I never would have even thought of buying before. But after a few backpacking trips um, and just kind of learning about the food habits of <laughs> the little rodents outdoors, this is one of those must-have items. Like I really feel like it solves a problem. It does it really well. And this is a piece of gear that you can take with you on every single backpacking trip you ever go on. And it's only 3.5 ounces. It barely contributes to your pack weight. And it's so useful. If you're not careful with your food, sooner or later, an animal will chew through something to get to it. it it's happened to me. And uh, then I had to just live for years and years with a hole in my pack because of that. And so whether it's something like the Outsack, where you have this rodent-proof bag, uh, or whether it's making sure that you hang your food up between trees on a line, uh, you got to do something because one day those animals are going to get to you if, if you're not uh, prepared. That sounded ominous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're coming so. after you. <laughs> <laughs> well, this piece of gear is made by yet another inventive backpacker who just has a knack for creating great gear that solves problems on the trail. So if you go to Simple Outdoor Store, he has some other things that he's created, and you can just tell he's an outdoor guy. And uh, that's really fun to see fellow outdoors people creating things so that we can have a better experience on the trail. And for some reason, it was just a moment ago that I realized that Simple Outdoor Store is SOS. So that's <laughs> clever. <laughs> I hadn't noticed that. Anyway, if you want to um, learn more about the Outsack, go to the show notes for this episode. And we've got uh, the whole gear review you know, outlined there, plus a link to the Simple Outdoor Store to the page about the Outsack. So the first 40 milescom slash 038 will get you there. For today's backpack hack of the week, we have Bucket O Calories. And this is our little nickname for our dedicated box of high calorie food. And for obvious reasons, this box does not reside on our kitchen counter. <laughs> that would be dangerous. Yeah. And this all started when I began collecting ingredients for a backpacking cookbook that I was creating. Hey, should we tell them about this backpacking cookbook? I don't think we've mentioned it before. I don't think we have. It's, yeah. it's in the works. It's a, it's a work in progress. It's a it's yeah, kind so, of cliche. <laughs> so Heather is working on putting together this uh, backpacking cookbook. We don't know when it's going to come out yet. We're thinking maybe uh, end of 2015, beginning of 2016. Don't know for sure yet. So no promises on that. But I mean, you were looking around for backpacking cookbooks. And it was kind of funny, some of the, I guess, the gaps that you found that like cookbooks that were backpacking cookbooks, but they had recipes in them or required ingredients or required cooking utensils that you would never take on a backpacking trip. Yeah, I like to keep things simple when I'm out in the woods and I love cooking, but I want to do that cooking and prep work at home and not necessarily on the trail as much. So a lot of the recipes that I'm creating for this cookbook require some work at home. And then when you bring it out on the trail, it's it's a lot less work. It's just a simple recipe. So the goals with this uh, cookbook are going to be that it will have lightweight, calorie-dense recipes, minimal trail prep, 
but there might be more prep at home, and good nutritious food. That's what I'm going for. So some of the recipes that we've shared on the first 40 miles aren't going to make the cut. I'm trying to go for more whole grain, something, you know, that has brown rice in it or um, lentils or dried fruit. So things that are a little more nutritionally satisfying and nutritionally dense. Yeah, and at the same time, calorie dense because backpackers need that. We also notice that none of the cookbooks out there actually list the calories per ounce for the recipes that they provide. So anyway, that's the cookbook that we're uh, cooking up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, okay, that was a bad <laughs> pun. Um, was it even a pun? No, it was just <laughs> just bad. Was bad. <laughs> Back to the bucket of calories. So in our bucket of calories, we have nuts, freeze-dried food, instant grains like instant grits, oatmeal, brown rice, chia seeds, and home-dried lentils that we just dried in our oven, nut butters in those little packages, you know, like the Justin's nut butters that are so convenient. We have sturdy crackers like wheat thins and triscuits. We keep small packages of tuna, so not the canned tuna, but the uh, foil packets of tuna, along with packets of mayonnaise and mustard. We keep bacon bits, the real bacon bits, because those go great with instant grits. We keep M&Ms, usually an assortment of M&Ms, the plain, almond, peanut, mint, and pretzel. And we keep some fast carbs in there, like candy, and then also Parmesan in a can, so the green you know, the green can of Parmesan. And those are things that typically we can just, right before we go out on a day hike or a backpacking trip, we can go through that box, grab out things that we need, and we're pretty pretty good to go. So we're able to throw together just about anything for any trip that we go on. And we know that anything that we pull out of the bucket of calories is going to be backpacking trip worthy. It's going to have the calorie density and the convenience that we need for our trip. And then usually we have some things that are just in our fridge that we take along with us, like tortillas or pita bread that we can, you know, kind of mix in with other stuff. Oh, one thing I didn't mention that we also have in that bucket that I just remembered was uh, dried fruit. We have the dried apricots and some dried plums. So those are also really great things to have in your bucket of calories. Can I add in a bonus hack here? Oh, please do. This is a... Uh... The first40miles.com website hack. Probably half of our episodes include some sort of a recipe. And so here's the hack. Go to the show notes for this page, which is the first40miles.com slash 038. And uh, we'll have a link there to a list of all the episodes that have recipes in them. All of those episodes are tagged backpacking food. Follow that link and you can get the list of all the episodes where we've included a recipe. That's so cool. Thanks. <laughs> sure. Well, we have a backpackers Q&A for you today. The question is, what do you recommend for dehydrating my own trail snacks? Is there a dehydrator that you use? What kinds of things can you dehydrate in it? Well, we've actually used several different methods for dehydrating food. We have an electric dehydrator, um, but we've also used our oven We've used the microwave and we've used a hot car. So because I love food preservation and just kitchen stuff in general, we 
a few years ago bought an Excalibur 9 tray dehydrator. And it's pricey, but it's definitely worth it if you do a lot of food preservation. And we've had the the round dehydrators before. Those are great also. But the Excalibur makes it so you can do a lot of dehydration all at once. And I love it because it's square, so it has a nice footprint. It dries food really evenly, and it dries a lot of it. And we usually dehydrate things like fruit. Um, I like to make fruit leather and then also fruit and yogurt leather. You can kind of mix the two together. Uh, I just got a great recipe for flax and vegetable crackers that I love. You can also dehydrate entire meals. Like if you make spaghetti or if you make um, chili, you can just spread the whole meal on a tray. Usually I put parchment paper on the tray and then spread it out. You could do beef jerky, kale chips. Some people do soaked nuts where they soak the nuts and then dehydrate them again. So there's really no limit to what you can dehydrate. Um, With dehydrating food, definitely the flavor and texture is somewhat altered. But really, I think people love dehydrating because it gives you 100% control over the ingredients in your food. And I guess I want to reiterate here, as we talk about dehydrating, yeah, you can buy a really nice dehydrator, and we have, and it's great, but there are lots of other options that work really well. But there's all kinds of things that you can dehydrate just in the oven, the microwave, or even just on your back porch or the, the back of your car on a, on a hot sunny day. We'll leave you with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, the playwright George Bernard Shaw. He said, there is no love sincerer than the love of food. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter or review us on iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. trail requires a little more (laughs) thick here we go (laughs) and i would say for 99 percent of the backing backing trips (laughs) oh my fair lady was based on yeah pygmalion effect yeah i know about the pygmalion yeah i know you use it on me my fair lady (laughs) 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 (laugh